Welcome back to the Freewheeling Podcast. My name is Abby Mickey, and we are back to talk about Rouge de Pana and Ghent Wevelgem, two of the lead-up Belgian races to the the big one, the Tour of Flanders, coming up over the weekend. We've got, you know, the crew, Lauren Rowney. Hello. Good morning, everyone. And Amy Lauren Jones. That's my name. <laughs> And Gracie Elvin will be here for the first chunk of the podcast. Gracie, hi, how's it going? Hey, hey, nice to be here. So we had two pretty fascinating Belgian races over the last week. The first one was Bruges de Pana. I think we should just dive right into it, especially because I'm curious about Gracie's take on the sprint. Just to like kind of sum it up, there was a lot of crashes and it ended in a... Well, in a bunch sprint that there were splits, mostly because of the crashes. So it was won by Elisa Balsamo, which we will definitely talk about her a lot this podcast, I think. What was interesting was Kopecky, Lodo Kopecky, the Belgian national champion, who you will remember because she won Strada in like incredible fashion earlier this season, but also like many other races, was leading out Lonica Unikin. And the reason I want to talk about the sprint is because Tom's and I had a heated debate about whether or not Elisa Balsamo, regardless of winning, messed up the sprint and didn't drop back enough from Kopecky's wheel before she accelerated. But I think watching it back, if you watch like the overhead, there was actually Kopecky that really botched that sprint. Because if you look at the overhead, Balsamo and Weebs are both behind Kopecky and then Lonica Unikin is kind of le- like on Lorena's shoulder and Kopecky could have easily kind of migrated over to the right side and closed the door on both Balsamo and Weebs <laughs> and <laughs> and Lonica was coming up on the left side but you could tell when you're watching the sprint that Kopecky actually couldn't tell which side Un- Lonica Unikin was sprinting from. So I'm curious what Gracie's take is. We're just diving right into it, but I, I just really want to know. Uh, yeah, I, I found that sprint really interesting and it's a sprint that I've done a fair few times from different scenarios, not as the sprinter, but <laughs> as a bike racer. Uh, it's hard. They've got, you know, we saw the tra- the uh, the tram lines, at which were about 2K before the finish that you had to stay away from and tight corners and definitely narrowing of the roads in those last K and a half. And uh, I found it really fascinating and interest, like cool that Elisa Balsamo was able to readjust because they were sprinting for Chloe uh, and mm-hmm. that Chloe was lost in that finale and she, Chloe was actually doing a really great job up until that point and I actually wasn't sure who they were sprinting for. I was wondering if Chloe was playing the follower and protecting Elisa or if Elisa was actually going to be leading out Chloe. Um, I was hoping that they were going to give Chloe a shot because uh, it's it might have been her turn in, <laughs> in a sense uh, and I'm sure Elisa would have been really happy to repay the team with all of her success so far but for her to recalibrate in in a second and uh figure out how she was then going to win the race you could see she was immediately on her radio after that corner she must have heard the crash behind her just double checking if chloe was still there and 
somehow they must have been able to figure out pretty quickly that they were going for her. I think she did a yeah, pretty amazing job and it would have been really difficult to nail it. Uh, so the fact that she won regardless of having made any mistakes and not having any support there was pretty impressive and I was wondering what uh, SD works were doing, especially with Lotta. I was surprised that they were leading out Lonika Unikin, uh, but also it was good that they were trying something new. And I think that's really important as a team to breed winners and not just stick all your money on one horse in a season because that is a big mistake in my opinion. So, yeah, I just thought that that sprint is quite hard to get right um, and it was certainly an entertaining one to watch. <laughs> yeah, the the fact that Balsamo like really had to she was completely on her own at that point too. Like she didn't have any teammates or anything. And we've seen now, I mean, we'll get to get Webb again, but we've seen, we've seen in all three of the races that she's won last week that she's really, really good at just finding a good place to be in the finale and sprinting and feeling it out because all three times she didn't have a teammate with her in that finale. She, when for this one she was following Kopecky, which was clearly the best wheel to be on, and it could have gone wrong, like I said, because she could have Kopecky could have moved to the right if she had known like where people were coming around her, because Bosmo was overlapping her back wheel, so there was like she Kopecky was in control in in that lead out, but because she had just like a little bit. She because she was one person forward, her main rival in that sprint, which would have been Lorena, couldn't come around her. And I mean, clearly, Balsamo is an incredible sprinter. And also, Lorena had a broken spoke, which I don't know, like, technically how much that hinders your sprint. If it's, like, really broken, then obviously a lot. But if it's just, like, a uh, slightly broken sprint or spoke, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know anything about tech. But... Yeah, it was the the positioning going into that sprint I found super fascinating because it made a huge difference. I also don't know anything about spokes. That's my <laughs> I mean, yeah, the the finale like leading into the sprint in Brujapana was was like nutty. And I think a lot of it had to do with the that course is dead flat and pretty straightforward up until they get into the town and work their way towards the finish. Um, But usually there's crazy crosswinds on that wide open green section, and that breaks the race apart. We saw that last year, but this year it was no crosswinds. And even though SD Works tried really hard to split the peloton, it just was not happening. And so we saw a huge peloton coming into that finish together and working their way through the town. And those roads were, I mean, we saw more so in the men's race how dangerous that finish was, but in the women's race as well with all the crashes, it was a pretty dangerous finale for a race. Speaking about the danger aspect, I mean, they always seem to run it the the same sort of circuit at the end have they ever considered changing it because those I mean I think I've only ever raced across tram tracks a few times it's really scary and then when you couple it with the fact that you're coming into the most important part of the race which is the finale like 
some riders are desperate, um, some are getting tired and not paying attention. And this race, there's always crashes there, always. Um, so I don't know. From that aspect, I almost feel like they need to reconsider how they, they finish the race. We'll race from Dupana to Bruges and have a nice finish um, in a historic part of Belgium. You just want to be able to go outside and watch the finish, don't you? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but I think also, like, a lot of the crashes happen, like, because of the size of the bunch, which I think they some they rely or they bank on there being crosswinds to split the race. And in times when there isn't, like this, t- this one, it's just, like, really sketchy and people end up in hedges a la Georgia Baker. Did anyone see that? <laughs> that was pretty funny. I'm glad that she's okay. I mean, to be fair, you would want London a head if, if you could choose between tarmac hedge and a hedge. Tarmac? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that was an interesting crash because obviously we didn't see like how it actually happened, which it probably just would have been like a touch of wheels at the front. But there were so many people that went down. It was pretty late in the race too. I mean, yeah, it was good that it it was a soft landing for a lot of people and no broken bones. Yeah. I don't think mm-hmm. I once grabbed onto a hedge to stop myself from crashing. And I was really pleased with myself. I was like at the side of the road and I was just like, I'm holding this hedge and staying upright. Was it Everyone one of those like you couldn't clip out in time? So you like, yeah, it was like, every, yeah, I just was going into the hedge, but then I was like, instead of like falling into the hedge and that all like falling the other way, I'm going to hold the hedge. <laughs> wasn't, luckily it wasn't thorny. And then, yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is really interesting like how courses are made and you can't obviously con- control the weather, but you can control what the finale of a race looks like. To be fair, the current finish for this race is better than what it used to be and they have put a bit of effort into making it a safer, less crazy finish and they don't cross the tracks even though they're very close to them. So, yeah, I think overall it's not going to change and they want the finish to be where it is and that's been discussed over years and they have altered it a little bit. so, yeah, it's a bit of a discussion of what, what cycling, what it should be versus how we can keep it safe for riders. I think overall that it's, it's not so bad. And that crash that we saw where Chloe was stopped, she didn't come down, but there was two riders that did on the corner and that wasn't particularly to do with the tracks. It was just a narrow road going into another narrow road. <laughs> and I think they had some bricks there. So that can happen in any race, really. Um, I think that this is a really great race. If you want to be a student of the sport, to go and watch what each team did in terms of a lead out. And there were some teams that were trying to do a good lead out, such as DSM and UAE for uh, Lorena Webbs and for Marta Bastianelli. And they just were organized, but too early. And they had to burn their riders. And by the time they got to that 2K to go, they really didn't have any anyone left. And I think that really impacted those two uh, favorites. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you're a rider and you want to be better as a lead out rider or a sprinter, I would really recommend going and watching those last 10 K and seeing what each team does, what they do well and what they could do better. <laughs> On that note, shout out to 
I'm going to call her Mayo because I can't pronounce her actual name, who from Nicole Wahoo, who like sat on the front leading out the Portuguese champion, Maria Martins, to fifth place, which for that team is a pretty good result. I realise I've done it again. I always shout out this team, but I was just really impressed with her. No, I think keep shouting them out. We need people. Like, I'm going to keep shouting out the Aussies, so <laughs> you can <laughs> stick to that team. <laughs> no, they were. But, yeah, for, you're right. For a small team, they were, like, punching above their weight in that particular situation, especially given the quality of sprinters that we have in the Peloton right now uh, to kind of put their uh, put their faith in the Portuguese champion. That was It was cool to see, for sure. I'm kind of... Just surprised, like, they've just had such good weather this spring so far. It's boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. It was, uh, what was cool about this race, one of the cool things about this race is we got, like, 80K of racing because once mm. the coverage started, I think it had been, like, not as chaotic as years in the past. So there was still a long way to go. So it was a really long race. It is. It was a long race. Yeah. Gent-Wevelgem was really long. So let's talk about Gent-Wevelgem before Gracie has to go because it was really interesting race. There was obviously like a lot of teams came with their top sprinters. They changed the course a little bit this year where they really had all of the climbs like packed into a couple circuits and really, really close together, and then a very long stretch of road before they got to Wevelgem. And the tactics from SD Works were um, pretty much exactly what we thought we would have seen from them at Trippe Alfredo Binda and what we were critical about um, in the last episode. But it all came down to nothing, and Balsamo won her third World Tour race in like eight days on Sunday. So let's talk about it. Where should we start? All right. Well, I'm just going to go straight into my Aussie shout out (laughs) because why not? How about Grace Brown? She rode everyone off the wheel on that last time going into the Camelberg and up the Camelberg. She was hammering it on the front before they hit the cobbles and she got bike lengths on everyone else once they'd hit the cobbles. Like, damn, that's impressive. And she put in the most meaningful attack, in my opinion, in those last kilometres after hundreds, it seemed, of attacks in those that last 20K from lots of different people. She put in one good one. She timed it well. She's got some crazy raw power there. And a lot of people were struggling to bring her back and that was what made that final few K really exciting because we were. I was like, hoping that she could do what Chantal Black had done in 2016. She broke away solo a little bit earlier than that, but it's like, it's cool because you know it's possible that someone could take the win like that. When she went, I thought she was gone. I thought that was it. Yes. When we were watching uh, the replay, uh, Kimberly made me laugh so hard. So Grace was up the road and we were just yelling at the TV, even though <laughs> it was not live. Um, and we were just like, holy shit, holy shit, this is like, this is a serious move. Everyone's fucked. There's been so many attacks. Who's going to chase? And then Kimberly goes, 
I bet in the peloton they're saying, get the Van Dyke, get the Van Dyke to the front. It doesn't matter what team you're on. Everybody call the Van Dyke to the front. (laughs) She was the only person that could possibly bring someone like Grace Brown back. Anyway, I'm not as funny as Kimberly, but it was, I thought that was a good call. And the Van Dyke did come, he did come to the front and she dragged it back. She was unreal. And she did a lot before that too. Like she was uh, definitely one of the MVPs of the day, I think. Not just, yeah, overall in the race, but definitely for track. (laughs) Yeah. When she was in that move and then was trying to shut it down from the front, but like it wasn't working. So she just went back to the peloton and was like, all right, then I'll just drag it all back. I was like, what? That is a boss move. And that actually takes... Uh, some good race experience and uh, confidence in yourself to do that because I think a lot of riders either don't know that you can do that as a tactic for your team or they're not sure if it's a good idea or not if if they put their team in danger by not having themselves represented in the break. So there's not that many people I think that would do something like that, but to drop back and, and drag the peloton back to that group I thought was a really tactically important part of the race for Trek. To be fair, I don't think there's many people that could single-handedly pull back no. any move, regardless of who's in it. <laughs> Van Dyke and Rusa, that have that ability to just sit and slowly just drive it and pick up the pace. And I don't know if there's anyone else with that capability. Probably Grace, if she wanted to as well if just she was because not off she's the front. such a if she wasn't off the front yeah uh, because she's such a good time trialist it's kind of like a like a time trial skill that you can lend to your teamwork but yeah but when when van dyke dropped off that group and went back to the peloton it was like that group was pretty dangerous just because it was so big and everyone was super motivated like they had been trying for so so long to get a split happening and then they finally managed to get a split and van dyke brought them back in like 800 meters it was like pretty like instantaneous from her dropping back to but she was she was incredible all day i mean i think the first time that we saw her really get on the front and and bring it all back together was when there was that group with uh rusa Kashini Wadoma, Lada Kopecky, Lada Kopecky now. Uh, yes, Lada Kopecky, Corinne and Anna Henderson off the front because that is a that's a dangerous move. There was still a long way to go in the race, but it was with those riders, with uh, two Yumbo Visma riders who were clearly not all in for Voss on the day with the amount of times that they had Corinne off the front and were sending riders um, that that break was pretty dangerous and we were watching, I was watching it and I was thinking like Trek screwed this up. They aren't in the break. They're nowhere near the front. There was, they were off the front for a good chunk of the start of the live coverage. And then as soon as they had a break between climbs, it was like Shirin and Van Dyke jumped on the front and brought it back like so quickly. It was really impressive. Just in time to, see if Eliza had it on the the last like three climbs of the day. And then uh, Balsamo said in the end that they made the call not to, they made the call to sprint for her after the final Kemmelberg because 
they they wanted to like feel it out first, which is which is cool. I mean, that they had other they were going to give other opportunities to other riders, but Balsamo is just like freaking on fire right now. Oh my gosh. Yeah, very very impressive for a, a young world champion. Um someone I want to mention is Corinne Lebecki and I I really hope that she's been sharpening her sword. She certainly looks like she's got some promise there. She's been on the offensive more than what she usually would be as a sprinter. And I guess that's because she has that card of Mariana Voss as a teammate now, which is a pretty cool combo. Uh, Mariana's racing really well too, but I really want to see Corinne uh, get to the point. She's definitely not quite there yet, but she looks like she's getting to she's coming into some good form. So hopefully in the future races not too far away, we see her being less attacky and and saving herself for a sprint because when she's good she's so quick and I think she'll be a really great rival for some of the other really fast women at the moment in Balsamo, Weebs, Kopecky. Like I think we're going to see a new era of sprinters and I think that's super exciting. And Jumbo Visma has a lot more firepower this year with Rihanna Marcus, Mariana Voss, Anna Henderson and Corinne now. So they're going to have better numbers in those finales and have more cards to play essentially. I don't know if Anna Henderson um, has the same race craft as the other three, I would say, but she's definitely a huge asset as a, as a worker and someone who can go in those breaks. Yeah, I think overall Anna's been doing a really great job and she seems like she does get racing and I think she's learning, she must be a sponge learning from all of those other women that she's with and they're certainly racing quite well as a team overall. And also I thought it was really good to see some numbers from the, I always say backwards, Plantur Pura Plantur or was it Pura? Pura? Yeah. Getting up yeah, there Yeah, Seneca in the 11th, that's impressive. Gracie, thank you so much for joining. We'll see you next week. guys. Bye. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yumbo Visma, they they definitely had the numbers. And then when the lead out was, when they finally caught Grace Brown and it was clear that the race was going to come down to to a sprint, it was actually Rihanna Marcus who did that final lead out into, into the end. Because at that point, Van Dyke was still second wheel, but she'd done so much work uh to keep sd works in line i think we should talk about sd works because they're clearly yeah they're clearly in a spot that they never thought they would be in probably and they never have been in where they they don't actually have a sprinter um because unfortunately amy peters um we've talked about her on previous episodes but she's still uh, in the hospital. So they don't have that sprinter to rely on if it does come down to a fast finish. And so they had to do everything else in their arsenal to try to win the race. And they had Rusa, who's just been so valuable as a transfer for them this season already, sending multiple tacks up the road over and over. Chikini was getting in there attacking a bunch and Chantal Vanderbrook Black, who I think we haven't really seen a ton from her yet this season. Um, She's not been as on it as we have seen her in the last two seasons, I think. But 
SC Works really tried everything that they possibly could to win the race, um, and and it just did not work in their favor, which I think is a huge turning point in women's cycling because they would have been able to really control this race in the past, but we have multiple teams now that can combat their, uh, their firepower in Trek and in Yumbo. And we really, really saw that in Grant Wevelgem. Yeah, I agree completely with you. Um, they've got a lot of fast riders, but no one that really stands out. And again, going back to the conversation of last week, Kopecky was someone I would always, you know, I think last year we spoke about her a lot is that the person who was going to win at the end of a hard race and a sprint finish. But there's so many riders now that can can pull it off at the end that I thought yesterday she didn't look great. That was my opinion. When I was looking at her, I was thinking maybe they'll go for for um, someone else today. But then the the whole attacking strategy they knew their best chance was to have that small group going or having a Chantal right off the front, for example, but it just didn't, just didn't happen. There was too many other interests from other teams. Um, it was never going to really work out. But, um, yeah, Kopecky running, I think she came fourth, right, just off the mm. podium. And she was really fighting the bike. She doesn't quite have that. And this is just my opinion, but for me, at least this year, in the finish, it doesn't seem like she's quite got that same pop as before. And that, that's just my opinion. But uh, also another thing with Kopecky is I feel like she was on another level at Strata, and I wonder if her form is actually starting to dip a little bit. Um, and she's probably going to line up at Flanders, but she's not going to be one of my picks I can say that, I think. I don't know. She might come into Flanders and really surprise us. If she doesn't race Dwars, go Flandern. Maybe a whole week of just some training. Not that I know anything about coaching, but... I'm interested to see who actually lines up at Dwars because, um, like, Balsamo said yesterday that she will not race Dwars. Um, She's smart. Yeah, and it's not a world tour race. So, well, even if it was, the teams aren't required to do it. So it'll be interesting to see who who does line up there because I don't think it's going to be... I don't think many of the riders that we are going to be picking for Flanders are going to race tours. If they've raced Bruges de Pana and Ghent Welverham, I don't think there'll be that many riders than that then line up for Dwar's store. But um, like Trek, for example, they'll change their roster a bit um, and have some riders going there, like have a few of the riders that, you know, with Chloe Hosking, for example, if she races Flanders, it might be a good race for her to just step in and um, get that little bit of racing under the, under the belt. I don't know if that's the right expression. I know Gracie it's a, um, used to like to do that as a pre-race before. Flanders, and I think that was also before the days we had Rouge Dupin as well, that you just had Get Well for Him, Door, and then Flanders, and then you can sort of, yeah, if you don't want to train in the week, it's basically a good opportunity to just race. Yeah, I guess it depends on whether you're the kind of rider that wants to race or have train. as much race. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's all, I just realised it's a point pro, which there's like hardly any of on the women's calendar, right? Like. Mm. 
because I was about to say like maybe it'll become or maybe it's it's kind of like we're moving into this era where there are smaller races that smaller teams can have a crack at but it's not mm-hmm. that much smaller anyway it's just one under world tour Marina Voss is going so maybe not <laughs> just because where it sits in the calendar um and all the teams are there already they would have a hard mm. time keeping the world tour teams out of it for sure oh. yeah Voss was interesting because Yumbo Visma was clearly not like riding for Voss until they were um we like they were not as aggressive as SD works but like Gracie said Corinne was super aggressive and Anna Henderson was up there a ton and Voss was sick and that's why she missed uh Trofeo Alfredo Binda so I think it was a really good opportunity for the rest of the team to mix it up but she still finished second it was it was still a really impressive uh, sprint from Voss because she started pretty far back um, compared to where Balsamo was sprinting from in that finale. I think if she's just been sick, maybe they said to her, just conserve today and see how you are at the finish. And she's so experienced that um, she would have said, yep, I'm feeling good now. I'm just going to bide my time. She is probably the most experienced rider in that group now um, that she maybe was actually looking at what was happening with all the attacking and everything. And she wasn't really getting mixed up in it. You could see that she was biding her time. And then actually it's no surprise that she had good legs in the end um, because I feel like she, she didn't put in that much of an effort. Balsamo had a really good ride as well. Like she didn't have to do much either. So She was on the Jen- front at one point and I was like, what are you doing, girl? Yeah. <laughs> and then she was looking... Like, what around. am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, overall, I thought it was a really good race. I thought it, like, yes, it maybe came down to a sprint, which if a race comes down to a sprint, sometimes it means that not a ton happened. But there were so many teams and so many riders that tried so, so, so hard for it not to be a sprint. And for, like, 30 kilometers of the race. And, <laughs> um, and yeah, like, I feel like this is a race you can point to and be like, the depth of the Peloton is growing. Teams oh, yeah. are teams are like being able to accomplish way more than they could in the past because even two years ago, the break with Kasha and the two and two Yumbo Visma riders and Kapeki would have that would have been like the race. Mm-hmm. Which makes you think I haven't looked at the Flanders. I guess this is a good segue into Flanders. I haven't looked at the parkours yet. Um, if it's exactly the same as, say, last year, sometimes they change one climb up or something like that or a sector. or. Um, but it makes you wonder how that race is going to be raced um, when it just feels like, yeah, with Gent Wellham, the bunch is e- usually even more reduced than what we saw. I don't know if the climb changed things. But that's a pretty solid climb too because it sort of drags into it and then you've got the sharp pitch. But um, I'm very curious to see how many riders we see going to that final, um, I'm going to say the climb roll, the Quermont. Mm. Yeah, it will be interesting because I feel like a lot of it depends on how Trek races uh, because they clearly have – like so much 
uh, they have such a strong ability to keep the race together and they have a surefire win at this point if it comes down to a bunch. Um, and it, it'll be way harder to do that at Flanders and Van Vluten will be there. So that will be a little bit of a different um, mix up in the race. I never thought I would say it. I'm really excited to see Van Vluten line up at a race, but she will make a huge difference here probably. Do you know who else is back? Who? Who? Demi. Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah, of course. Which means that SD Works has their has has one of their best riders back as well. So, so yeah, it, I'm I'm super curious how it's going to be raced. I feel like Trek at the moment they don't really have somebody who can jump in a move like with Demi and Van Vluten and win from that move. Like that would have been Aliza last year if she played her cards right and Lizzie, but they, they, neither of those riders are obviously Lizzie's out and Lisa's not been having a great season so far. So I think Ellen's going to put her hand up. She should. She absolutely should, especially given how well she rode at Ghent Webblegem. And she's just been incredible, incredible this entire season so far, but she hasn't had an opportunity except at the the sex toys race so she should absolutely (laughs) have have the opportunity to put her hand up and i think that's pretty much what just speaking from trek i mean i don't know what they're going to plan but if we saw what what we saw last year that group going into the bottom of the quermont and then it's just game on it's basically whoever can can survive like the anamique attack or a demi attack and then it's it's just if you can go with it, great. And if you're there, then the the place where Ellen can make the, the huge difference is just when they come over the top of the Quermont to attack before you go, it dips down and then goes back up and drags up that road. That's like the perfect place for her to go, for example. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she'd be, she's a world champion. She would be a hard one to pull back. And I think Russo will also be really, really strong there too. Um but I actually can't say who, but um, I mean, the way Balsamo is go Balsamo. Is it Balsamo? No. Balsamo. 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 Um, is, but she what, also said think? she doesn't really care. <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like, I feel like she she's going to be there in the mix. Um, Yo, Grace Brown as well, guys. I was yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't forget the Aussie. No, I feel like we have. There's so many options, which is also awesome. we haven't talked about Cassia. Yeah, who just had COVID and yeah. was absolutely lighting it up yesterday. Uh, no, yeah, she was really, really impressive, and I think she, she herself had no idea how she was going to feel coming into this race, having just had COVID and missing Trofeo Alfredo Binda. But she looked, she looked like she was testing herself. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't think that she was ever racing for the win i think she was racing to see how she would feel for flanders which is an amazing indication of like hopefully what we'll see to come because man i i apologize for who i will become if kasha wins flanders (laughs) (laughs) that would be so so cool and she she really looked like all right i I can make it into these breaks. I can make these attacks. She was attacking a bunch in the finale, like in the final 15K when all those moves were going, she was up in the mix. And so I feel like she was 
like if it had stuck great but i i didn't see her racing in terms of like i'm trying to win this race it was more like okay my legs they feel good feel good you know who's actually been quite a good signing for them is that shari um shari bosso yeah i thought yeah yeah she's been quite a good signing for them because yeah you know um no offense to the belgians but there's not um they don't quite have the depth of say the men's peloton when you look at these classic races it's just belgium 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 and then maybe someone from denmark or or italy but um yeah she's been really good she's been up there and active and i think um i think we've spoken about it many times before how cassia gets quite isolated but with uh, Soraya Paladin, um, Sarah Roy, when she returns, I think she's on a training camp at the moment. But and also Tiff, Tiff looked like she was really um, testing her legs because we haven't seen much of her this season yet. Um, and maybe she'll be lining up at Dwar's door as well to get a bit extra racing in the legs. But she was quite good too, I thought. And shout out to Rachel Nalen for being in the mix in a classics race. Yeah, I was shouting people out. No teammates. Yeah. Rachel Halen was super impressive. She was, I mean, she was completely isolated at that point. And um, like, if it comes down to a sprint, would have pretty much, I, I think I'm right in saying 0% chance of winning. Um, yeah. But she still tried everything she possibly could to, and she made a difference in that, like, she she was in a bunch of moves that, you know, would have been dangerous if it wasn't for Van Dyke. Mm, mm. Who are you going to shout out, Amy? Oh, um, yeah. Oh, fuck. Uh, Maria Giulia Compalonieri for yeah. There it is. It podium. I mean, that's pretty huge. Also, this the Italians lately. Italian riders, huh? Yo, like a bigger and- the all Italian podium. Mm-hmm. Also, sorry, this is all I do nowadays. It's just shout names out but um <laughs> Sylvia Persico 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 yeah what a weapon yeah she was impressive she's she's I mean this and this is obviously she had a really great ride at Strada but she was like up there on that entire climbing section where things were really like blowing apart a little bit she was she was in the mix is she also one of these track riders she's a cross rider she's a cross rider Okay. She got top tens in World Cups. Yeah. She's a, yeah, I mean, girl's going to need a break soon. Yeah. But a lot of these um, Italian riders, though, come from that really strong track program like Balsamo. And it just made me think, going back to Bruges de Pana, what she was able to do there was, is just probably from that track mentality as well, when in the bunch racing there, where you have to look after yourself mostly. Like sometimes you do have, um, other teammates but it's mostly just an individual effort to to find your way in those finishes so um lots of of young young talent coming through which is very cool I always forget that she won the Qatar World Championships Balsamo Balsamo who she was Balsama. the world junior champion oh junior I was like yeah did I have a stroke okay yeah Damn, that's good memory. She's a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what Diedrichsen won. Yeah. Yeah. The junior worlds as well. That's why I was like, what? Hang on. Because I didn't realize you were talking about the junior. And I was like, yeah. 
Voss, I'm guessing. Yeah, there's been a couple of riders who have won that junior world title and then won the elite. Did Corinne ever win a junior world? Mm-hmm. She did no. not. She just has like 400 national championships or something. Yeah. Spanning road, track, and cross. And I don't think... Mountain no. bike? No? I don't think so. But also collegiate, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that that's not something we see too often on the men's side, actually, is world junior world champions uh continuing on to become i wonder if mess peterson okay we're getting this is off topic anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> podcast save it for later <laughs> i'm gonna wrap up the episode just by um shouting out the news that battle of the north has changed their name to the tour of scandinavia in uh light of what's going on in eastern europe at the moment with ukraine and uh Amy did a really awesome feature on the race that you should check out on cyclingtips.com. It is up as of this episode dropping. It will be the feature feature article on the site. So it'll be up there. So check it out. And thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next week to talk about the tour of Flanders. Hopefully it's a good one. Mm -hmm.